So we are on lesson nine, the summer quarter. The uh, title of the lesson is Words to the Unwise. And that is, the scripture is Proverbs chapters 18 and 19. Sorry. Okay, so the first section is, so anyway, I'm sorry, Lord, we do pray that you're Holy Spirit would illuminate us as we look at these verses and that we would apply them to our own lives as uh, as you bring them to our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first section is the unfriendly person. You know any of those? I know a couple. Been one. <laughs> been one, yes. Yes. At, Yes, at times I have been one too. So that's verses 1 through 8 of chapter 18. Somebody want to read that part? I'll read that. People are scrambling. Okay, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. When a wicked man comes, contempt also comes, and with dishonor comes scorn. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. To show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. So, verse 1, <laughs> that's right. So, verse 1, someone who separates himself, um, so seeking your own desire, what's that called? That's called selfishness, right? That's selfishness. So, there's... The selfish, yeah, so the selfish tend to reject wisdom, which is a bad thing. You know, the, right, yeah, words to the unwise are usually warnings, aren't they? So most of these are warnings. Verse 2, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So if you're foolish, you don't want to hear other people's opinions, right? You just want to express your own. And that, you know, everyone has a tendency toward that, don't they? I think they do. Well, think That's the, the problems, to the sin nature. Lives, have done these things. Yes, yes. So then verse 4 the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. So the quarterly suggested, and I thought it was interesting, that deep waters suggest the concealment of truth, whereas wise speech is transparent, like a bubbling brook with clear water that you can see the bottom. It's refreshing. It's refreshing, yes. Yes, this is what Jesus said about humanity 
This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So that's John three nineteen through 21. So if your mouth are, is deep waters and you're concealing the truth, you're probably hiding from the light. So verse 5, to show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. Partiality to the wicked. Do we see that in our day? So yeah, equality under the law is the basis for a just society. You know, and I, I just point up two examples. Grandmothers walking in the Capitol on January 6th versus Hunter Biden. Some are in solitary confinement for a year and a half. Hunter Biden is free, even though he has documented criminality on <laughs> YouTube for all to see. So anyway, that's why we cling to God's word. Even when our, you know, our justice system is no longer equal, it's no longer equal under the law, and that is not good. Yes, that is why we need to be ruled by Jesus. When Jesus rules, and we will be ruling, and we will no longer have our sin nature. That will be really nice, and there will be equity, equality under the law. It will be perfectly um, equally applied. Yeah. So I mean, so that's that. That is why we're waiting with bated breath for that moment when we hit the elevator, the elevator to the clouds, and we get our resurrection bodies. Won't that be nice? No more insulin, Vicky. That'll be nice. I'm looking forward to that. So verse 6, A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. So that is uh, incitement to violence. We see, see that, too. So we're, it's, we're in a sad state because the, if you have the right political views, you're not, um, the, the law ignores you if you break it. But if you have the wrong political views, you are, you're persecuted. Yeah. So verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. What, what would a whisperer be? A gossiper, yeah, a gossiper. Someone says, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah. And they go down into the innermost parts of the body, so they sink deep. So possessing significant information, this is from the quarterly, because I don't talk this way. Possessing significant information about another carries with it a great responsibility. 
That's true. And that is one thing that I, our prior pastor was excellent. He could go, he could keep a secret like nobody. So God will hold you accountable for gossip. Gossip is a sin. And, you know, if you're, you gossip, then you apply First John 1, 9, you know, and confess that, and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you start over. But um, that's a, a sin that is not as frowned upon in the church as others, perhaps. Gossip can be terribly damaging. Yeah. Yeah, gossip arises because you want to place yourself above that other person, right? Say, oh, say I'm better than them. Yeah. Well, we are hypocrites. Well, I know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is why discipleship is important. Discipleship, you know, because we are all, as long as we are living, we will continue to be hypocrites. Why? Because we have a sin nature. So we cannot be perfectly righteous with our sin nature. But if we are growing, people see that. And that is a supernatural thing. That's the influence of the Holy Spirit. So section B is security in God. Now, somebody want to read that? 9 through 17? 9 through 17, yes. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, one of those is a song, isn't it? Verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Righteous run into it. Yeah, that's a good one. So verse 9. He also who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. So what is that saying? So a shoddy work can destroy a project, can it? So, you know, if you're, if you're working, you can, you can glorify God in your work. And you do that by doing work that is good. Do good work. So verse 10, that's our song, and a truthful statement. You know, we, de we decry the, the, uh, state of our culture right now almost every week but <clears throat> this is always true the name of the lord no matter what your culture is like is a strong tower the righteous who are the righteous those who are trusting in the messiah those who are trusting in the messiah those are the righteous runs into it and is safe yeah you want to do a good job when you're working so a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own imagination. So look at verse 10 and then verse 11. The righteous run to the name of the Lord for safety. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. Okay, so he runs to his wealth for safety, doesn't he? This is obviously the unsaved rich man. Yeah, and like a high wall in his own imagination, so he feels secure in his wealth. You know, rich people can buy their way out of their problems, usually. But 
Not always. So verse 10 is more secure than verse 11. By a long shot. 11 is a house of cards, exactly. Yeah, one one little, you know, one little disruption and it'll all fall down on you. Verse 12, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. That's, that is like my favorite verse in James. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It runs all through the Bible. Uh, God is a humble God, even though he's glorious. Yeah, and so we want to be like that, you know? And the opposite, the exact opposite, is Satan. Satan's sin is pride. I will, I will, I will, you know, raise to the highest mount or recesses of the north and all that. I'll be like the Most High. I will. That we do not want to be like that. We want to run from that attitude in terror <laughs> because God resists the proud. So we don't want an omnipotent God resisting us because that's, we don't want God who is omnipotent to be resisting us because that is a losing <laughs> proposition. No, we want to be on God's good side. So verse 13, now, has anyone ever done this? He who gives an answer before he hears is folly and shame to him. Yes, I have been guilty of that many times, and many times with my poor wife. You know, she'll try to be, she'll try to ask me something, and I'll anticipate, she'll start, I'll anticipate what she's asking, and I'll answer and it wasn't what she <laughs> meant at, uh, at all. And, you know, and it takes her off, of course, and it makes me feel stupid. So that's right. Get it in first. Get it in first. So anyway, when you do that, you should wait and listen and then answer, you know, because otherwise it's folly and shame to you because you don't have all the information. So verse 14, the spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? What is that talking about? It's talking about the depressed, I think, don't you, you know? What happens when you get depressed? Everything's, yeah, everything's horrible, you know, everything, you don't, I mean, if you get depressed enough, you don't want to live, right? So this is a, from the quarterly on this verse, the presence of hope means everything when it comes to physical and emotional health. You know, if somebody is depressed, I, because um, I go on this online ministry, Need Him, and there are a lot of people depressed on their believers who are depressed. And I refer them to Philippians, the book of Philippians, because the book of Philippians is about joy that is not, hint, it's not, yeah, it's not associated with circumstance. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there are several principles in Philippians that lead to joy, you know. And uh, one is being a servant. Serving will give you joy, which sa doesn't sound right, does it? But it does. 
off yourself and onto other people. Yes, and you're glorifying God, you know, and, uh, you know, getting away from legalism also gives you joy, because Paul talked about how he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, and he threw it all away for Christ, and how that gave him joy. So, yeah. And also, there's a wonderful promise in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about anxiety, which is related to depression. And uh, it says to pray. If you're worried, don't worry. Pray about what you're thinking about. And a, God will give you a supernatural peace, a peace that passes understanding. So, so anyway, if uh, you know people are having problems with depression or anxiety, Philippians is a good book to look at. And you know that is why prophecy is important for hope, because. You know, because when we see, we see not just our city, not just our country, but the entire world involved in just silly, nonsensical things, evil things, that will make us depressed until we look in Scripture and we see prophecy and how it turns out, because it turns out glorious. Yeah, it turns out glorious. Yeah, so look at verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. What do you think that is talking about? Yeah, so you're talking about like spiritual gifts, and things like that. Is that what you're talking about? The, the, the powerful, the powerful, yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, that sounds like a bribe to me. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. And this is what the quarterly says. Solomon was not encouraging bribery. Here, have an audience. You brought a gift. You're bringing a gift. Yeah, this is what the quarterly says. It says the king was simply encouraging his readers to use worldly temporal resources to benefit others in order to establish relationships that could have eternal significance. You know, Jesus said the same thing in the parable about the unrighteous steward. Remember, the unrighteous steward was getting fired. And so he took his, uh, the, you know, his boss was a creditor to a bunch of people, and he brought each person in and cut his debt down. So he was unrighteous in that he was stealing from his boss. But the boss commended him for being smart with his money. And, you know, I think that's a difficult parable to understand. But I, I feel like money itself is worthless eternally. But you can use money for eternal reward, if you use it for the Lord's work or if we, you use it to help someone in need or something like that, it can be used for eternal purposes, even though it's worthless in well, itself. Yeah, and the, there's another interesting phrase in that parable, too, is that the, uh, the unsaved are wiser about this process than the saved are. Use it, the use of material goods to ingratiate yourself to people. So, 
So anyway, and my little sweet wife, you know, whenever we go somewhere, we always have to bring a gift. I'm like, why are we doing that? She says, it's just right. It's the right thing to do. I said, okay. (laughs) Yes, you always have to bring a gift. So verse 17, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Isn't that true? That is true. That reminds me of Tevia on Fiddler on the Roof. You know, he's listening to these people debate. He says, you're right. He says, well, what about this? You're right. And the other guy, what about this? You know, you're right, too. <laughs> That's why in a court of law, there's such a thing as cross-examination. Because this very principle right here. And I hate to belabor this, but the January 6th committee has no cross-examination <laughs> at all <laughs> right now. So they are violating this principle. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, okay, next is C, section C, true friendship. That's verses 18 through 24. So, verse 18, the cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those those who love it, will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. To the point of death. Yes. So verse 18, the cast lot... There's about lots again in Proverbs, okay? Puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. So do you think this would work today, a cast lot in a disagreement? Right. Yeah, casting the lot, I would think, you'd have to, both people would have to understand that God is the chooser in that case. If you don't understand that, you're going to like be what? Uh, yeah, an unbiased third party. Yeah, that is exactly what the quarterly says. It says, if a compromise cannot be negotiated, Solomon advised the antagonists should cast lots to settle the dispute and then abide by the outcome. And a modern day counterpart to, do, to this is binding arbitration. Since the Israelites believed that Yahweh's will, see, when the quarterly does something like that, that irritates me. That irritates me. Since the Israelites believed? Who cares what anybody believes? That's what it is, because that's what God's word says. <laughs> I wish they would just say that, you know. Yeah, the Israelites believed this as though there was a question. They believed it because it's true, because God's word says it. That's right. So anyway, since the Israelites believed that Yahweh's will was expressed by casting lots, a dispute could be settled before it escalated into a bloody conflict. Yeah, you know, that's one thing. If you want to 
rely on something unmovable and never wrong, rely on this book. It is never wrong. It doesn't matter who believes it or not. You know, that's why I'm so grateful for Dane going over Genesis 1 through 11, because even the church attacks Genesis 1 through 11 and say, oh, it's, you know, fables, it's fairy tales, things like that. It is not fairy tales. It is history, and that is why we need a Savior. So, anyway, but we'll correct the quarterly when they do stuff like that. If you don't understand the foundation, you don't know why you need a, a remedy. <laughs> you know? Why do I need a remedy? I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. My sin isn't that their sin. Right. So that's why whenever we see that from our own side, these are believers who publish this book. We correct it, especially from our own side. So um, where I got all agitated. Where are, where are we here? Verse 20. That, verse 20. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. And this is something else from the quarterly. If we cherish our words enough to choose them carefully, then we will be satisfied with the fruit they bear. If our words are used to tear down, manipulate, or control, then the only fruit they bear will be full of worms. That's good. We want to speak well. And we want to speak graciously and truthfully, because words have power. Yeah, our words are not as powerful as God's, but they are very powerful because we're image bearers of God. So verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this is the same concept. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So the tongue is powerful. Use it wisely. And I would refer you to James chapter 3, <laughs> which we studied in the last quarter, and it's all about the tongue and how it can be set on fire by hell if you're not careful with it. Verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I can testify to that. So, you know, we've said this many times before, marriage can be heavenly with the right spouse or hellish with the wrong one. And uh, so you want to choose wisely when you're marrying. There's another, down the road in Proverbs, Proverbs 21.9 says, It is better to live in a corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. So remember, I read this frequently, but it's... See, I made a mistake in this regard. And I paid dearly for it. But 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? 6.14. That's about when you go to marry. First of all, wait for the Lord and marry a believer. Verse 23, the poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. So the poor are humble, and they know it. 
The rich tend to think they can throw their weight around because they're rich. That's part of the danger of wealth. It will lead to pride. Then verse 24, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We're on the last verse of the chapter. Yeah, so, you know, you can have a whole bunch of superficial friends, um, which, you know, are, you know, they're nice to go to dinner parties with, but it, when the times get rough, you know, one good friend is worth more than all the rest. And I think that's true, that it can be, especially if they're you're two believers together, you can be more loyal than a brother, a physical relation. C.S. Lewis wrote about that, and I forget where he wrote it, but about, you know, you, you don't have room for too many very good friends. There's just not room for that many. Okay, so section D is about false friends. Somebody want to read that one? It's 19, 1 through 7. Thank you. That's a... Uh, <laughs> That's a cheery section. Yeah. <laughs> so verse 1, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. So poor with integrity. Yeah. Poor. Now you can be poor and not have integrity too. That's possible, of course. But poor with integrity is better than rich and what with a filthy mouth. That's what he talking He says perverse speech. So verse 2 is a good one. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. So what is that saying? Yeah, don't don't rush it, right? If you're... Has anybody experienced that? They're in a hurry? And you mess stuff up when you're in a hurry. And you miss things, too. You miss things? Yeah, you forget things. And you, you screw it up. <laughs> that, that's why, the, you know, we went through that proverb earlier about including the Lord in your plans. You know, when you make your plans, make them in prayer. And, uh, and then don't rush through it, you know, because God doesn't need our help. We're not going to be too late. You know, if we plan... With his guidance, he will. We don't. There's no need to rush. There's never a need to rush. So verse three, you know, and that's especially you know, uh, having been in the medical profession, and uh, I have seen more than once, you know, that emergencies do happen. But when you lose your head and you start to rush, you can injure people. If you're not careful, it's better to slow down, relax, and, you know, do step by step what needs to be done. You can't think straight if you're rushing and if you're all flabbergasted. Yeah, that, that's part of medical training, I think, is to be is to train to not freak when bad things are happening. So 
verse 3, the foolishness of man ruins his way and his heart rages against the Lord. So what is the correct response to failure? That's what I wrote down there. Right, seek the Lord and learn from it. Yeah, we're, we're all in training. We're all in training. And we all, all want to learn how to depend on the Lord more and more. And uh, many times, see, when you go your own way, that's the foolishness. The foolishness is going your own way. It doesn't work out, and then your heart rages against the Lord. Why did you do that to me? He's trying to teach you something. You moron. <laughs> That's what is going on. <laughs> the Lord would never say that, though. I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he would. <laughs> yeah, the Lord can be sarcastic. That's for sure. Yeah. So, verse four: Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. And also 6 and 7, many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor man hate him. How much more do his friends abandon him? He pursues them with words, but they are gone. Right, they're making up faults for him. Yeah. So wealth can make you uncertain who your real friends are. Um, if, you're, if you're a poor person, you don't have that issue. My sixth cousin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody has problems. Um, they might have different ones, but everyone has problems. And then, you know, when you're watching people on TV, <clears throat> say, verse 5 a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will not escape. Yeah, and the corollary to that is vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. A liar cannot get away from the from what happens with that, you know. And I, I watch people on TV just lie so easily. And I think about this. A false witness will not go unpunished. So, um... We do not want to be in that position. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's again, our speech is very important. We want to tell the truth. So anyway, the rest of chapter 19, <clears throat> I'm just going to pick out a few ones that struck me. Verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. So if you fear the Lord, you will sleep well in general. That's that's probably better than melatonin. Yeah, if you're not afraid, you're going to sleep good. Verse 26, he who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. So that is the opposite of, uh, that is kind of the outcome of, one of the commandments, I can't remember the number, but honor your father and your mother. So if you dishonor your father and your mother, you're a shameful and disgraceful son, and there is a penalty for that. Yes, honoring your father and your mother extends your life. That's amazing. Then uh, verse 27 
Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you'll stray from the words of knowledge. The word of God is required by people as long as they're breathing. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So if you want to end well, you do not stop looking at this book until you are dead. <laughs> okay? I wonder if we'll read the Bible in heaven. I bet we will. It's eternal in the heavens. We'll be singing the songs, maybe. Or maybe it'll be like we'll be able to have perfect recall of the whole thing. Maybe. I don't know. It's fun to think about. Yeah, but we don't want to cease listening because we don't want to stray for, from the words of knowledge. So, Lord, we thank you for yet another uh, lesson in the Proverbs. It's all, it's all good stuff. Help us to use it. In Jesus' name, amen.